Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This gentleman is in a rarefied league by himself hmm. because he's called Hoop Scoop. Better known yeah. as Kevin McPherson. Yeah. I don't know of any other Hoop Scoops, do you? No, but Kevin, have you ever tried to hurt someone who else who talked about recruiting because you wanted to, you wanted to have more of a say than they did? Yeah, he wanted to scoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're laughing. No, no, no. Somebody just suggested that you, you you have a hit man to go attack the other quarterback, so that's why we threw that out there. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. I did. I did suggest to somebody recently, um, not to send a hit man after me, <laughs> uh, because I had so many typos in, in in my tweets lately. It's getting worse and worse. So. It wasn't very funny. Well, no, we don't want to use You can only line. apologize so many times before you people start, you know, thinking you're just either incompetent or, or something. <laughs> yeah. Was it last week somebody called uh, Paul Feinbaum and suggested that a hitman's cheaper than paying off Jimbo Fisher's contract? <laughs> you know, that's, that's – I mean, yeah, the, it, it does have a little humor to it, but on the other hand, in today's society, to suggest a hitman on a football coach, no, no, no. No, and not on, and not on Kevin. Rule. We don't want There's to do nothing that. out of bounds anymore well, for him. you know, especially on social media. I'm yeah. not shocked by anything I read or see. Well, I wasn't not shocked much. today to see you on the Zoom press conference with uh, uh, Jordan Walsh, Nick Smith Jr., and of course Eric Musselman. And it was all about the upcoming red-white game. And I thought both players, Kevin, sounded really, really excited about playing. And uh, Jordan Walsh especially, well, of course, I did really expect to hear that from uh, Coach Musselman about playing at Barnhill. But Jordan Walsh seemed really pumped about playing in Barnhill. The question I wanted to ask is, or one of the questions I wanted to ask to, to Coach Musselman, but ran out of time, and that was, how much does this red-white game go towards, uh, I guess you can say, the rotation, figuring out the rotation? Uh, yeah. Does this count? How much does this count? Yeah. So, I mean, I think everything they're taking under consideration, I think he has a real strong idea about rotation, you know, I, I was on the press conference today. I did not ask questions today. I was juggling phone calls from my other job and some other stuff going on over here, but I listened to it. And he talked about one of the things he said, Randy, was he's got six players. He didn't name them, but he said he's got six players that are, that are kind of, mm. you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Um, you know, there's, there's probably a, a group of six that are maybe further along than others and, and, and in a spot where, when you say something like that, even though he didn't mention names, I got to think those are, you know, most of those six are going to be in that rotation. Um, and I've, you know, I've been talking about these names. It's really the same group of names. I'm speculating, but it's, you know, I believe it's Nick Smith Jr., Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, Trevon Brazil, Devo Davis, and Ricky Council the fourth. That's six players who I think would probably be. The you know in that six. The other thing that was kind of telltale was he then said right after saying there there's six guys that are you know kind of where they think they ought to be at this stage. He then said there were four bigs 
that are still kind of figuring things out, and there's mm. you know they're kind of battling. And and, and if Trevon Brazil was the only big I mentioned in the six names, if you're not if you consider that to be true, then the other four bigs would be Kamani Johnson, the Twins, and Jalen Graham. And so I think he, without saying names, and based on all the feedback I've gotten and what I saw in the European tour. It, it kind of simplified things for me. The only wild card in that group that I, whose name I left out might be a Barry Dunning, who they've been very pleased with. He's not one of the three five-stars, but he did well in Europe. He's been a darling on the, among the coaching staff. Every time Melsman talks about him, he guesses over him uh, because he's just a great culture fit on being on top of a guy that's played, you know, uh, sometimes played better than what you would expect from a freshman. And we saw that in Europe, very efficient, didn't turn the ball over a lot. So he might be a wild card in terms of how does he work himself in or where will he be viewed. But saying all of that to circle back to how does the red-white game impact it, I think it's just another, you know, it, it, it's, you know, they were fortunate to have those four games plus the 10 extra practices because they got to do a lot of analytics on that. And they, like most men talked about today, they chart stats. The shooting's been a problem, three-point shooting. The turnovers, we saw that in Europe. But they're charting everything from practices, from their drill work to the live scrimmaging, which they don't do a lot. So I think the red-right game is just another factor for them to look at as they get into the exhibition season. They're going to have a, a Division II opponent on the exhibition schedule that just got announced within the hour. I reported a couple of days ago that they would have another exhibition game. I wasn't sure who it was. It just got announced. It's Rogers State. That'll be on Monday, October 24th. So... You've got the red-white game Saturday. You'll have another dress rehearsal in eight days from that point on the 24th. And then you've got that that exhibition game in Austin against Texas uh, on the 29th, I believe, which is a Saturday. And then the regular season starts November 7th. So when, you, when we look at all of it, you're going to have the four European games, the red-white game, two more exhibition games, so a total of seven, uh, which is a lot more than they normally get and probably exactly what – what the doctor ordered when you're talking about 11 newcomers out of 13 on scholarship and six of those being freshmen. I thought the other pleasant, uh, I don't know if it's pleasant surprise, but uh, when you start talking about that, this freshman class that is, except for Black, Walsh, and uh, Nick Smith Jr., the rest of them have almost, Kevin, uh, been for, you mentioned Dunning. He's been very much in the focus as of late. But I was kind of surprised when they, I guess it was Nick Smith, who they asked, you know, was any of the, of the did you hear the question about any of the other freshmen that is standing out? And the one that he mentioned was Darian Ford. That's yeah. Nick Smith Jr. So Darian, everything I hear is positive about Darian's work ethic, his attitude. Uh, you know, how hard he plays, all of these things matter. And over time, they matter. I think the biggest thing for Darian and other players, and Joseph Penny, we can put his name in there, is that you've got multiple players, four or five, that are projected as, as NBA draft picks. Maybe, you know, maybe not that many this in this next draft, but maybe half that many or more. So no matter how good someone's doing, relative to what, what you might be up against in terms of other players projected a little higher, it may be a longer road for you to get into the, in the rotation. Yeah, good point. 
right, hang on, Kev. We've got one more segment with you that's Kevin McPherson. Better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Joined again by Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. And, um, Kevin, I, I realize this is probably somewhat in the back of everyone's, well, okay, not everyone's mind, but those of us who do follow recruiting. The National Signing Day is uh, right around the corner, is it not, for basketball? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear yes. you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, you were talking, day. and then it cut out. I cut out. Yeah. I just heard you say National Signing Day right around the corner. Yeah. And so you said yes. Is that is. the end? Yeah. <laughs> Question so mark. Yes, like, it is. Would you like to elaborate? Would you like to elaborate? Yes, I would. That? It's mid-November, um, and you know, Arkansas. If you if you really look back at the last three years, they had a big high school recruiting class in 2020. Four players, all four were committed in by the early period. Devo Davis was the only one out of that group to actually sign during the early period. The others waited till the spring, but all four were committed. So that included, outside of Devo, it was uh, Moses Moody, Jalen Williams, and K.K. Robinson. The next recruiting cycle, Arkansas only had one high school recruit who's since transferred, um, and that was in the 2021. The rest of the players in that class were out of the portal. Then in 2022, we just mentioned it in the previous segment, six freshmen um, and, and, you know, everybody got their signing done early. The only exception was Anthony Black, who committed, you know, he, he, his recruiting process went into the spring, committed to Arkansas, and signed during that spring period. Um, so we're going to have to see how things go uh, w- with 2023. Of course, Layton Blocker's already committed. He's someone that's going to sign early. in uh, Arkansas, obviously, in hot pursuit of several other players, when we mentioned guys like Ron Holland, the five-star out of Duncanville, 6'8", combo forward. Uh, when we talk about Bay Fall, the 6'11", center, forward center, I'll call him, because he's expanding his game to the perimeter, but uh, five-star out of Denver, uh, top 15 guy. And then his cousin and teammate, Asan Diop, 6'10", combo forward, who's a, you know, ESPN's got him in the top 60, so he's a four-star. But those are three players that Arkansas would love to get committed and signed uh, early. It may not play out that way. Uh, you know, we don't know if Arkansas is going to get all of them. I've said for a while I think Arkansas leads for fall in Diop, and I think Arkansas is in great shape. I think it's between Arkansas and Texas and maybe the G League Ignite. I know that uh, Kentucky and UCLA are also in the Final Four of schools for, for Ron Holland. Uh, but those are the, the high school players really for the early period. The reason I brought up those previous classes is I think Arkansas may end up signing more players out of the portal in the spring in this class than they get out of high school. Now, that doesn't mean that it will work out that way, but I think it could. Uh, And I think, you know, you want to have a balance. You want to have a balance of of talent from the high school level, and you want to get some more veteran players. I think when you look at how they've staggered these classes, one year heavier on, on high school, next year heavier on portal, it may work out where it alternates back to heavy on portal this time around, guys. If you look at last year, I mentioned the six freshmen. You, you, you did have five out of the portal, too, so it was almost a balance just in that one class. When you turn over nearly your entire roster, uh, it, it worked out that way. But, again, you know, we, we could see a, a, maybe a, a near 50-50 balance this time. But if I had to favor one over the other, I would say they may end up getting more 
out of the portal than high school this time. And, of course, that comes in the spring. Do you think that's also because they may have to wait to see how many of these guys don't come back next year? And they may not know that till the end of the season. Right. That's part. That's always part of the calculation. I think what's interesting this time is um, I, I, I think based on uh, where some of these players that they really zeroed in on, and I mentioned the names, I, you know, you're, you're seeing other than Blocker a lot of front-line presence there. And so I don't know that there's as many. Usually you, you have more available guards that are high level. This time around they really focused on front-line guys in high school, and so I think it's not only just who's going to be around Rick, but also, what are your needs? And I think there may be a focus on some backcourt guys in the portal, especially when you consider guys like Nick Smith and Anthony Black, who are expected to be one-and-dones, because uh, those are going to be two of your starting backcourt players right there. We don't know about Devo Davis, you know, what, what his plans are after his third season. Uh, you, you know, we, we don't know. But, you, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of question marks in that backcourt in terms of even though you didn't have guys finishing out eligibility, there's guys probably moving on, and it's not an area, the backcourt was not an area outside of blocker that they really focused on in the high school recruiting. Okay, speaking of Holland, speaking of fall, and uh, is it Diop? Is that right? Diop, yes, sir. Yep. Uh, what are their plans, or do we know what their plans are? I mean, is there any expectations of these young men making any kind of decision soon? It, that's a great question. I I really thought that Fall and Diop might have committed by now, and I think, and I really still believe Arkansas is in the lead. My understanding is uh, Diop is still looking at, or excuse me, Fall is still looking to take a second visit to Auburn. He they both went in June, and that was an official visit. But because of the junior year, senior year cutoff date, that actually counted as part of their five junior year official visits. So they can go back to Auburn with another official visit. And I think just fall is planning to do that. I, my understanding is Diop is not included in that. I guess that could change. So that was a bit of a surprise, uh, but we'll see if that gets, if that happens. I know the players are supposed to be back in Arkansas in November, probably smack dab in the middle of that early signing period for a showcase game at, at Fort Smith Northside. And I always say, you know, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if they're either signed or committed by then, if it's Arkansas, then fans, you know, be able to go out and see him play, you know, because they play out of Denver, so that's a, a rare chance to see him play while they're in high school still for Hog fans. But we'll see what they do. Uh, you know, again, I felt like they would be done uh, for the early period. I'm not 100% sure about that. I'm not as sure. You know, I was never sure, but I felt like that's what they would do. I'm not as feeling as strongly about that now, but we'll see. Maybe they still get it done early. Uh, and as far as Holland goes, you know, he, he he and his family are taking unofficial visits. UCLA, they're back out there. Uh, they're talking about some up uh, some upcoming stops. His mom told me she's going to let me know as they happen. Uh, so, you know, we may see Holland get, get, get up to Fayetteville at some point. Uh, but he's already taken official visits to all of his schools, all four in his final, final school list. And so you would think, what else is there to do uh, if, if – you know, why wait beyond the early period? But he may want to take his time. He may want to give more consideration to the G League Ignite. Now, I'm told he's there's a preference toward going to college. Uh, but, you know, you see a lot more of these players in the G League Ignite that are getting drafted and are high on the next draft board. 
And so that's got to weigh into it as well. When you're when you're looking at yourself as a top ten five star, we talk about business decisions. It's even more so for those guys. I don't think NIL is as important uh, for guys that are looked at as one and dones when they have opportunities to get drafted. Uh, and, and, and the G League Ignite is showing as more and more of an attractive uh, springboard to the next level, and so it's very competitive as well. Is Holland's mother, maybe just simply because I see some of the things that she posts on Twitter, I mean, is she more of a force in his recruitment than maybe other parents? I'm trying to I'm trying to say this nicely. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you sound overbearing, but uh, the things that I've read on Twitter – Kind of like what you said a second ago. She says, I'll let you know, uh, you know, such and such. Yeah. I I don't know if she's more of of an impact than most parents. I just think her her approach is is, is sort of driving the message is to, you know, maybe to take some pressure off her son and and it it Mm -hmm. fall on the parent's shoulder. Some parents do it that way. You know, they're sort of the mouthpiece about regarding what's going to happen next. Right. So that their their you know so that their sons can be sons or daughters if it's girls recruiting, women's recruiting, it, it, so that they can focus on you know basketball or school. You know now everybody's back in school, right? So school, academics, basketball. So they take some of that burden off um, and, and have a role like that. Just curious, it sure, she sure seems to be a uh, a very strong voice right now in this recruit. All right, Kevin, we will talk with you next week. That is Kevin McPherson. Thanks, Kevin. Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net.